it's crazy to think about um, for me being here uh, in a month from today, December 5th is today, one month from today, uh, hopefully I'm praying uh, in a weird sense uh, not to actually be here with you. Um, it's weird to say that, but uh, my life, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, in one month will be radically different. Um, <laughs> It is one of those things uh, in one month from today, I'm still, I don't know what to say. Um, It's one of those things I look back that as that day will radically change my life, it was at this church on March 13th, my life had radically been changed as well. I was talking about it with first service. I I was probably standing, whoops, speaker, um, that was not there. Uh, I I was probably standing right here where I pledged my life to serve and to love my beautiful wife the way that God has called me to. Um, It's one of those things where I look at my life in 2010, uh, at um, a college campus, I remember my life being radically changed, eternally changed, as I understood for the first time, truthfully, the message of the gospel. I remember my need and desperate need for the Savior I grew up in the church. I've, I've heard all the Bible stories. I've heard of David. I've heard the stories of Abraham. But, but it wasn't till college where my life, I understood there was, there was nothing greater than Jesus. And the lies that I've listened to, that, that because of the way I lived, because of the things I did, I knew that, that, that this Jesus guy, I didn't live for him. And those lies that I listened to thought, because of what I've done, I I could not have that grace. I could not have that love. And I remember in 2010, July 3rd, remember falling on my knees in desperate need, seeking forgiveness. I remember saying that there's nothing I can do but solely put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior for what he has done and who he is. And that's brought me my greatest joy in life. I've spoken at camps. I've spoken at conferences. I've spoken in services. I've done numerous things. And I've told people since that day, July 3rd, that if you want to bring something you think can bring me more joy in life, more happiness than Jesus, I'll quit my job. I'll give you all the money in my bank account. My wife doesn't like hearing that. Um, (laughs) I'll, I'll give you everything that I have. But I firmly believe the truth in Scripture points that there is nothing greater in this life than treasuring Jesus. And it was... It wasn't me. Nothing in me goes, man, I I, I just want to love you more, Jesus. Help me love you more. 
And the joy that knowing Jesus has brought me, even in the hardest of days, I still have joy. July 3rd, one of the greatest days of my life. March 13th, one of the greatest days of my life. January 5th. I'm probably going to cry that day because I cried on my wedding and a lot of people saw it. (laughs) But (laughs) there's video, yes. Um, But it was one of those things I, I know. Such a joyful day. I remember, as we talk about days, on May 6th, I remember putting on my shoes in our room, thinking it was a classic Thursday, when, when my wife Priscilla came in and she was crying. And immediately I jumped to, what's wrong? What's going on? What do I need to fix? And there was a smile on her face, though. And it was these tears of joy that she showed me this stick. She hadn't been feeling well. And it was a pregnancy stick saying that she was pregnant. And we didn't know if that was going to be able to happen for us. The rest of the day, I'll be honest, (laughs) Pastor Rizzi was in the room. I said, it was a Thursday. I don't remember anything I did. I knew I worked, but I didn't remember what I was doing that day. I remember driving to work and driving home, but I don't remember any of that. I just remember, I'm going to have a child. Lord willing, I'm going to have a child. And the joy of that. And we knew Pastor Shane and Natalie were pregnant. Natalie was pregnant. And the joy that they had in all that has gone on in their life, the joy that they had knowing that Natalie was pregnant, knowing that, that, that they had shared that with the family, the joy, the celebration amongst the family that Natalie was pregnant. Uh, on May 6th, we found out, and May 9th was Mother's Day. That Sunday, I remember on this stage, the joy of this congregation for Shane and Natalie, giving all praise to God for the beautiful baby of Melody that is so alive and a lot of being times of awake. But we, I remember being so excited with Priscilla. There was times where we were like, okay, we can't say it. We can't tell anybody. We, we want to give Shane and Natalie the respect to, for them to have an, the announcement to, to celebrate the work that God has done in their lives with Melody. But I wanted to tell people. <laughs> I remember we went to a family function that Saturday uh, celebrating uh, Mother's Day for the whole Izagiri side of the family. And, uh, and, and Priscilla says that I had googly eyes for her the whole day because they were opening Mother's Day gifts. And I was like, hey, that's you. But we didn't tell anybody. I remember um, going to lunch after church on Sunday with my parents. And the whole time we were wrestling, like, do we tell them? Do we not tell them? Like, you know, Shane and Natalie, you know, share their good news. Do do we share it? Do we we hold it back? And I was just like, let's go. (laughs) And I remember praying uh, at our lunch and just thanking the Lord for the, for the faithfulness of my mom to, towards the Lord and towards our family and towards my dad. 
And I go, God, I, I pray that, that Priscilla, as she is now a mother, that she continually remains. And it, it, I couldn't even finish the prayer. My mom just screamed at the top of her lungs in excitement. The joy that she had knowing she was going to have a child, a grandson. And that night, I remember as we were driving back to Corona, uh, calling up Shane and Natalie and saying, hey, you know, you need to go to, to the Izagiri's house. We, we got some news. And Shane was like, hey, is everything okay? You know, worried for us. And yeah, we're all good. And he kind of was starting to put the pieces together. And as we, as we got to the house, I remember there's two questions. We first showed up, and it was very unannounced that we were coming. It was kind of like, hey, we're literally going to stop by your house. And they're like, okay, how long are you going to be there? Uh, we're literally pulling up right now. And so we walk in, and they're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, hey, we have some news for you guys. And uh, I remember uh, Claudia Zagiri, my mother-in-law, goes, you're not moving, right? And it was one of these, like, oh, no, no. And then the next question, Priscilla's pregnant. And with tears in her eyes, he just started saying yes. It was so amazing to see the joy of our family members celebrating with the, the, the joy of the arrival of our son, the news of his birth coming one day. And it was such a, a joy as I looked and I saw my, my sister-in-law, uh, Samantha, in pure enjoyment, just starts crying. And I look and I go, man, what a joy it is to have family to celebrate these things. And, and I look and I go, man, the, the joy of this congregation celebrating these things for, for me and my family. And I look at the text today and in the text, we get a view of the first listeners and how they react to the good news of the coming Messiah. And as I was looking at the text early this week, I was wondering, man, how were they going to react? How were they going to react upon hearing these things? How will Mary, how will Elizabeth, even baby John the Baptist react to the good news of Gabriel's message. And it caused me to think, as I'm 33 years old right now, how do I, how do we respond to the good news of Jesus, the Messiah? When we look at the text, we're gonna see two family members today, Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth being older, who's six months pregnant, who, who's literally secluded herself, kept herself away from other people, staying home. And another family member, that being Mary, one who is pregnant, one who is a teen, one who is unwed, one who's traveled to see that family member. And with all family members, we always have to ask the question, man, how are they gonna do when they interact with one another? Especially in this situation, are they going to be cold to one another? Are they going to try to keep their distance? Are they going to simply, uh, what we could say is compare one, with one another what is going on in their lives? Could they jostle for seniority? Or could they truly just celebrate what God is doing? I thought to myself, would Elizabeth chastise the unwed Mary? 
Or would Mary mock the older Elizabeth for her growing pregnant stomach? I mean, we could look back at scripture and remember that Luke has already foretold the birth of both John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ. And this is two different family members uniting in joyful news. Elizabeth, just like her husband Zachariah, was considered righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And she had no child. She was barren. And both Zachariah and her were advanced in years. Luke 1, verses 6 and 7 says, And when Elizabeth found out she was pregnant, for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Luke 1, verse 25. Then you have another one, Mary, who was told to not be afraid, for she had found favor with God. Luke 1, 30. And when Mary heard of what was going on and that she was going to be pregnant, she responded by saying, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And with haste, she went to see her family member. Luke 1, verse 38 and 39. See, we read in the story, one hides and keeps from others and one goes and celebrates what God has and will do. One was barren, and one was a virgin. But we know, like the angel Gabriel said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 1, verse 38. So as we look at the text today, the the big idea we see is that there is joy and worship that comes with the coming Messiah, and today's text calls on all believers to come together with joyful praise of him. We're going to be in Luke 1, verse 39 through 45, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are holy, you are perfect. You are loving and you are graceful. And Lord, we thank you today that we could be here in this building to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, as we continue to worship you, Lord, I I pray that we seek to know you more. We celebrate you more. We find more joy in you today than we did yesterday. Help us be obedient to you, following after you, Lord, knowing that you love us, knowing that our identity is rooted in you. And Lord, there is nothing greater than you. So Lord, help us be ambassadors for you, seeking your will to be done. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Luke 1, verse 39 states, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And when and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, 
When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So as we read right at the beginning in verse 39 and 40, we see that with what Mary was told from the angel Gabriel, we see Mary respond in verse 39 with haste, believing what Gabriel has told her. Mary departed without delay after the news of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And it goes on to say that Mary, she left with haste. She left eagerly. She left with speed. She left with earnest commitment. And this means she, she may not have actually contacted Joseph before leaving because it was in Mary's faith in the promises that caused her to quickly depart to be a witness to the promises fulfillment. And just like the shepherds in chapter 2 verse 16 to see Jesus in the manger, to follow after to seek them. Mary's acting on her faith shows her living out her faith as a humble servant of the Lord. And we read that back in verse 38 when it says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See, this angel is simply pointed to Elizabeth's pregnancy as a sign of the fulfillment of the promise of Mary. And now we don't know what town Mary traveled to to see Elizabeth, but we knew that it, know that it's a town in Judah and that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived near the temple. When we look at this, some believe the town to be uh, in Karim, which is about 90 miles away, or, or Juta, which is southwest of Hebron. It's believed to be about 80 to 100 miles of travel that Mary traveled to see Elizabeth, which for Mary would have been about three to four days of travel. Now, Mary, just hearing Gabriel's message, traveled that 80 to 100 miles. And in the act of obedience to God, she traveled to the only person she knows on the face of the planet that could share in the awe and joy and wonder of what she's feeling. Mary knew with the message that Gabriel brought her that she needed to go to Elizabeth. Who else could experience or understand with Gabriel the, the, the ideas and the telling of what Gabriel has brought to Mary and Elizabeth? If there was anyone, Mary knew she needed to go to Elizabeth. And it's one of those things as I look at even my life when we're walking through this text. My wife Priscilla and me, we rent a house with Pastor Shane and Natalie. Now, Natalie has just given birth to a beautiful baby, Melody, a beautiful baby girl about two months ago. And it has been a joy, this whole pregnancy for Priscilla, to have someone else in the house who actually understands what she's going through. Uh, when she says she's hungry, I'm like, perfect, me too, let's go get food. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't know the feeling, though, of having a baby, an actual human breathing baby, in my stomach. I don't know the experience of the discomfort of a growing baby of a baby kicking and stretching, your body doing things that 
my body was not meant to do. And it's been such, I'll be honest, it's been such a joy to hear them saying, yeah, I'm feeling this way today. And the other one being like, yeah, I know. I experienced that too. And then the other room, me and Pastor Shane are talking and saying, yeah, this is going on. And I'm like, yeah, I know, me too. (laughs) But it's in these experiences that as Priscilla and Natalie And I look at, I imagine Elizabeth and Mary, the feelings, the changes, the cravings that they went through is very similar as Priscilla and Natalie have done, as well as Mary and Martha. The joy of family members being able to come together in this joyful news to experience the same thing. In this story, we have a family member who was barren is now pregnant, and that there was one that was a virgin that will give birth to the Savior of mankind. And as Mary enters into the house of Zechariah and greets Elizabeth, this breaks the seclusion of Elizabeth. So we see in the first section, we see Mary taking off with haste to go see Elizabeth. Now we see another action, that being John jumping for joy. If we pick it up in verse 40, it says, And Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you continue down in verse 44, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, there is an importance here that we see the word greeting three times here. And we see John's reaction to Mary's voice here. It says that John the Baptist in his womb jumped or leaps. Elizabeth interprets the baby jumping or leaping in the womb and the, at the sound of Mary's voice as he leaps for joy in verse 44. These are the same words talking about leaping for joy that Luke uses in Luke 6 verses 23 when he says, Rejoice in the day and leap for joy. For behold, your, word, your reward is great in heaven. For so the fathers did to the prophets. As Elizabeth is like many mothers, she would have felt the baby move and kick and stretch for a bit within the womb. But here in the text, Elizabeth, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, interprets the movement of the baby leaping for joy. Now, as Priscilla's been pregnant, I've got to experience, I've only ever experienced, I'll be honest with you, church congregation, uh, I have held my first baby, I'm 33 years old, I've held my first baby at the age of 32. Um, I always saw the videos on YouTube when the baby, this is me in preparing to be a father, as uh, my wife is pregnant, I now visually see the baby like kick and like her stomach move. Uh, The only time I've ever seen that was in like movies and YouTube training to not be scared of when I saw her stomach actually move and be like, what is in your stomach? (laughs) But the baby here is leaping for joy. 
And this type of joy represents, as one commentary writes, a gladness that hails the advent of the messianic age. Remember, after centuries of darkness, these are the first glimmers of lights that have emerged from the distance. And think about back in, in verse 15, Zechariah was told about John, that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's wombs. This leaping is a fulfillment of Gabriel's prophecy. As Zechariah was still mute and Elizabeth hadn't heard what would occur. But Elizabeth and John were both filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that takes center stage at Acts 2 after Pentecost and prompts the followers of Christ in various breakthrough ways to, to take the gospel to the world. The Spirit, though, does nothing new in Acts, but it does, the Spirit does something new in Acts, but it is not something new. The Holy Spirit has always been working and spreading God's truth and gives guidance to believers and came upon various Old Testament people to prophecy. We could look at Isaiah, we could look at Ezekiel, and numerous others. But we have to look at this, and we have to see how amazing is it that one of the prophets of the Old Covenant, who was assigned to prepare the way for Christ, is now meeting Christ, who, who, who's meeting Jesus, who is the Christ, who is ushering in the New Covenant. And as Elizabeth is greeted by Mary, because of being filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth is led to the acknowledgement that God has intervened in Mary's life, and Elizabeth is filled with joy. Elizabeth then begins to speak a blessing to Mary. We see a third action in the text. One, Mary, after hearing upon the news of what Gabriel has shared, the prophecy, she went with haste to go see Elizabeth. Upon hearing of Mary uh, greeting at the house, we see John jumping or leaping for joy. And the third action, we see Elizabeth blessing to Mary, as we pick it up in verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, as Elizabeth hears this greeting of Mary in verse 41, we see how Elizabeth responds. She responds with, with great explanation, with great shouts, and declares that Mary is blessed. This interaction results in joy being shared. But it caused me to think, why would Elizabeth's words be shouted and joyful. If we think back to Luke 1, verse 24, it says, After these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. Elizabeth had hid herself in shame and disgrace, wondering what people would think if they finally saw her now and she was pregnant. But we see in that text that shame and guilt 
and disgrace turn to shouts of joy like a tea kettle. We have see that she had been cautious and watchful, holding back, looking, and now she was marveling at what God has done. And then upon hearing Mary's voice, we see that she is joyful, elated, and excited. Elizabeth would have no reason to know Mary was pregnant. And as Mary, she probably wasn't showing at this time. And like a young man who, who has gone with, gotten wiser with age, we learn that you never ask a woman if she's pregnant without getting confirmation from about 10 other people. <laughs> and then you still don't ask because you just don't ask. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth suddenly breaks out into praise and joy that Mary is pregnant. Now the question I have was, what is amazing about this? Uh, We see that Elizabeth does not see Mary as a rival and doesn't selfishly seek to have her son come up on top compared to Mary. And to me, I look and the joy that Elizabeth waits for for a future collaboration of both John and Jesus, even knowing that Jesus, for us, will supersede John in fulfilling God's plan for salvation. But there's no power struggle here. And I think this is a great example for us. I think this is a great example of partnering and parenting to believers in Christ. Are we helping or are we hurting other parents in the church? How can we be encouraging and uplifting? Do we hear, well, Tommy knows how to recite three Bible verses. And then our desire is, well, okay, then that means little Timmy is going to be able to recite four Bible verses. Well, Jimmy opened the door for the little old lady. Okay, well, my son walked the other woman across the street. The reason I love youth ministry is one of them. There's, there's many reasons. It is to partner with parents, to look out for the safety as we continually teach the truth of God's word to these kids. As there's many voices that are trying to tell kids, tell teens, simply what's best for them in this life. I go back to what I said earlier. If you think there's more joy to be had in this life, I'll leave my job. I'll I'll give you all the money in my account. But I firmly believe the truth in this book, what this book points to, there is nothing greater. And I love having adult leaders in our youth ministry. I've worked at other churches where we've had usually typically more college-age students as leaders in youth ministry. And, and there is some benefit to that, but, but I think to me, and I'll just be honest with you, there is so much more benefit having adults in youth ministry than, than younger people. Because it's these adults who've experienced life, typically that have had kids, now their kids are adults, who've raised up their kids, some in ways of the Lord, some they're wanting to do it again. And it's not them, these, these leaders, trying to step in 
and be the primary disciple maker of the student. But it's us partnering with these parents. One of the first things we ask when a student comes to us about something is, is, well, have you talked to your parents about this? Cool. As, as students are going through things, it's, it's wanting to help them seek to know who Jesus is, what he has done, the joy that is founded in him, and the joy of following after him, knowing that this is not our home, that there's something better to come. And it's us helping come along these parents to share the good news of Jesus. That's why I love adults. Some of the older people that I hang out with in my life bring me the greatest joy, the wisdom that they have in following after Jesus, partnering with me as a believer, not trying to, to one-up other people. And I look at my own life. I had a woman that I call my aunt. I have a, a small group leader that I still talk to here and there. I have friends that, that were mentors to me that were not trying to be my parents that simply came next to my parents to speak the truth of God to me and lead by example. We see that in the text. The text goes on to say in verse 42, Elizabeth ex uh, exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth says that both mother and child are blessed in in reference to what God has done and also to strengthen that Mary is the receiver of God's favor. But it caused me to wonder, well, why is Mary blessed? Why is she in, in good, good favor of God? If you read in verse 45, it says, she believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary believed that she has received God's grace and that God will accomplish salvation through the child that has been miraculously conceived. And we could see in Luke 11, verses 27, a woman crying out to Jesus from the crowd saying, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that which you nursed. But Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What Jesus clarifies there in that text is that Mary is not blessed simply because she is his mother who brings this special child into the world, but because she heard, she believed, and she obeyed. That's what makes her a model of faith. And we see in verse 43 a question being posed. And why is it, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This shows that Mary is not jealous, but joyful of Mary's child. This is actually the first mention of the word Lord in Luke. And Mary had heard of the prophecy that the child will be great, will be holy, will be the son of the most high. And now, Mary hears Elizabeth call her child Lord. But this morning, what do we call Jesus? Do we call him Lord? Do we call him Savior? Do we humbly and faithfully follow him and his teachings? That is the true pathway to being blessed. 
We look at examples of what, of what following people of faith. We find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the, the greatest example of faith. As it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus took on the cross, for he knew what was before him. He endured the cross, the assignment that the Father had given him. He took it upon himself, the guilt of you and I, and the punishment that we deserve. Jesus chose joy by going to the cross because of the joy that was to come. See, he endured the cross because the best is yet to come. The question is, does that reflect in our lives as believers, as followers of his? Do we believe that the best is yet to come? Do we find our greatest joy in him? We've been going through the book of Hebrews up in the youth room for a little over a year. We're, we're trying to wrap it up uh, very soon. But there's this uh, thing that I've had up in the youth room that the students see all the time. We actually had a student make a traveling size one of these, so I will never forget it. And I actually used it here uh, one of the first Sundays I ever taught downstairs here in the sanctuary. But I got a rope. This is my rope. My rope is 50 feet long. I know because I bought it. We use this up in the youth room. We have it always shown. It's always up in the front so that whenever we're teaching or we're ever playing a game, it can be an example to students to always have this mentality that the best is yet to come. The joy of following Jesus, the joy of knowing who Jesus is, the joy of loving Jesus. Now, this example, back in the day, I saw it in, in the early 2000 uh, teens. This right here, these three inches of red, kind of, Ted, you could tell that it's been worn. We haven't kept it up too good, but hey, this rope right here, this three inches, is an example of this life here on earth. Imagine the rest of this white would go on for eternity. They don't make ropes that go on for eternity, and I don't have the money to buy a rope that goes on for eternity. But imagine that all this, I remember the first time I ever used this. I love this story. The first time I ever used this as an example, it was my first teaching time here in the sanctuary, and I got to ask Pastor Michael to run up the middle of the pews to show that this is 50 feet of rope. Just take my word for it here today, please. Um, but 50 feet. This life here, this three inches. So many people in this world, people that I know, try to find joy and happiness and peace and comfort, and I would even say contentment in things of this life here on this part. Knowing every single person that there's going to be a day where the red part of the rope and the white part of the rope are going to meet. We're all going to die. Because of the joy that I know 
that I have in Jesus, because of Jesus, because of the good news of his arrival here, because of the good news of what he has done, the, the, the one who has fulfilled the law, the one that has not sinned, the one that, that, that took on the cross, that took my pain, that took my punishment, what I deserve, what you deserve, as I put my faith and trust in him, in him alone, I don't live over here for things of over here. I know the joy that, that this life, there's something better. I live, and I pray we all live for this part of the rope. Because oh, there is nothing better. And it will continually go on and on. And you know, I'll be honest, there, there's good things here. No more pain, no more hardships, no more lying, no more cheating. No more co-workers getting the best, even though they don't do the best work. No more divorce. No more abuse. No more yelling or screaming in pain or hurt. No more need for cops. No more death. No more funerals. No more hardships. But you know what brings me the, the greatest joy? And I was wrestling with this. I'll be 100% honest with you right now. I was wrestling with this between services. I can't wait. I pray. I look forward to the day of holding my son in my arms. But I treasure Jesus more. As much as I look forward to having my son, as much as I look forward to holding him in my arms, even if he's crying, the joy of Jesus far exceeds that. And I want to find that more and more as I find my greatest joy in Jesus more and more. Matthew 13, 44 states, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If you know the text, you know that banks like we have in this day don't exist back then. So the man buys the field, not saying that we can buy or, or, or earn our salvation. But the parable emphasizes that the supreme value of the hidden treasure is the reason why he goes, there is nothing worth that I have, nothing worth anything that I have that comes close to the treasure that is in that field. And that is why he goes and sells all that he has. As we're celebrating this Christmas season, as kids want the latest Lego set or Pokemon cards, as we see teens wanting new computers or laptops or books or whatever it may be, as we're looking at buying houses or getting a new job or achieving a higher position in our job, Maybe we're seeking to have family members not fight this Christmas or that we actually just see family members. There is joy there. But the question is, do we find our greatest joy in Jesus? 
Today we're going to be taking communion. And if you did not receive communion on the way in, please uh, raise your hand so that we can make sure you get it. But as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. The promises that he has made comes to fulfillment. The joy that he is our Lord and he is our Savior. So as you get those piece of bread and juice, you can pull them out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that for the joy that was set before you, Jesus, you endured the cross for us, despising the shame. And Lord, we, we are grateful. We thank you that you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God, a place of power, a place of authority. Jesus, you are our Lord. So I ask that you help us seek to glorify you in all we do. And Lord, as we take this communion, I pray that we always remember the price that you paid for let us be ambassadors of you, finding our greatest joy in you, speaking your truth, loving you all the more. In your name we pray. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, with the cup, after they had eaten, Jesus says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we celebrate the Advent season, God with us, Lord, let us ultimately celebrate you in every area of our life. Lord, we thank you for what you have done at the cross. We thank you as we put our faith and trust in you. Lord, help us each and every day Help us be bold examples, bold ambassadors for you, knowing that our confidence comes from you as we want to speak your truth in love. Help us with the words we speak and the actions that we do. Let them be honoring to you, glorifying you, giving all praise to you, knowing that there is nothing else greater than you helping other people to experience the joy of your salvation, being in relationship with you, Lord. So we thank you for today. Let us be one family excited for your second coming and helping other people look forward to that day, knowing all that will come in heaven. But Lord, 
let us seek you above all things. For we ask these things in your gracious and holy name.